I always want to pray, but you guys just prayed, so I have to jump right into it. <clears throat> We're um, continuing our series on Thanksgiving, and last week talked about uh, um, just having a heart of gratitude. Oh, Jesus, make the things work. So the whole series is about generosity, uh, grace, and gratitude. Uh, and if you weren't here last week, it's really important that you get the understanding that it's the foundation of it all is is gratitude. It's it's a, a, a heart condition of of thankfulness to the Father for all things that is then carried uh, throughout your life, and so you're grateful in every aspect of your life, and so. Excuse me. As I'm speaking today and and uh, continuing weeks about the idea of of generosity and giving, um, if you don't understand that it's all rooted and based in in gratitude and thanksgiving, you're really going to miss the point. And so, if you didn't hear, I do encourage you to go online and get the podcast and listen to it or the notes, and you can you can read through them. Um, so that's what we talked about last week. The the goal of this series. I just want to present to you is to encourage people to tithe to the local church, and I'm going to be talking <clears throat> uh, next week about what tithe, what New Testament tithing is. And so, if you're unfamiliar with that term, uh, or if you're familiar with it, and you want to know a New Testament basis for the practice of tithing, or at least my take on it, you're going to hear it next week, so you don't want to miss that. But it's actually, so, so, and there's people in here that, we have many generous givers, we have a number of families that, uh, that give way beyond uh, a tithe, uh, some people give a double tithe, just 20%, uh, think about that for a while, <clears throat> but also to encourage, and, and some people, you know, are struggling to give anything, and so... Uh, churches that's that's what church is it's a combination of people at all different places in their in their journey uh, but I, my job is to communicate to you what I feel the Bible teaches is 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 the way to live and so I'm going to explain to you the this is what God calls us to and the blessings that are associated with it oh welcome back hey the newlyweds are here Hi, Aaron and Adrian from just got back from Japan that was a flight <laughs> <laughs> Give him a hand. I just got married. <laughs> but then also the challenge to give beyond that. And, you know, God just put on my heart 1% for missions and 1% for alms. And if, 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 as, if us as a church, if every family gave an extra 1% to missions, we could pay the full-time salary of almost two missionaries okay, as a church. Uh, almost, uh, you know, so a church of a hundred could pay a full-time salary, and so someone could go on the mission field and not have to worry about fundraising, uh, and that would be just so amazing. Uh, uh, most missionaries spend um, a, about a third of their time just raising money, and it ought not be that way. <clears throat> and then alms is is relief to the poor, and so as Christians, we're ex- exhorted to give. Uh, relief to the poor in many ways just as a private practice and you, you may all do that 
but as a church, we can cooperate together. And so this is, obviously there's not a requirement to do this, but I'm just saying, hey, if we pooled our resources, we could do something amazing uh, together. And so it would be great to have that. All right, <clears throat> uh, uh, so this week we're going to be talking about koinonia, which is a word, word that's translated fellowship. We're going to get into that. And how it relates to giving, because it's directly connected. Um, and it's uh, the key verse is in Acts 2.42, which is really, if you don't know, this is one of the verses that all Christians should memorize, because it's a one verse <clears throat> uh, summary of the church. It's God's definition for the church. Uh, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. So these four things, there's actually a fifth if you, if you read the context a little bit more. Uh, but these are the, the, the main aspects. This is a summary of what church life was, the New Testament church, the pattern that Jesus established, the Holy Spirit established after the resurrection. And that's really been practiced ever since this was started uh, almost 2,000 years ago in all the different cultures and uh, places where the church has grown. So this word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. <clears throat> and if there's any Greek word that you should learn, this is one of them, uh, um, koinonia. Because it, it is the word that de, uh, defines what church life is all about. And I'm going to give you a, a definition of it based primarily on a, on a lectionary uh, called the Thayers. But you can look it up in Strong's and there's lots of other resources you can look up to understand the, the meaning of this Greek word. Uh, it means participation. There's three main elements. One is participation, and that is co- community. So it can be actually translated community. Uh, it's the share which one has in anything. So that's being actively involved. It's participating, right? <laughs> you know, uh, if you're if you're uh, if you're gonna experience church life, you have you have to be there. <laughs> you know, you have to participate. And I've had people come and, and tell me that they've decided to leave the church. And, and they say, well, they just, they just don't feel a part of the church. And I say, well, you're not a part of the church because you're hardly ever here. I mean, you only come once every couple of months. And they're like, <laughs> you know, I, I try to be a little nicer than that, but uh, it's just the truth. And I say, you know, next time when you go to a church, Actually go there. You, know, you have to be there in order to experience it. So participating. And it means more than just coming and sitting. Uh, it means being actively involved. And so we talk about that like in the Serve Sunday series that we did uh, this last uh, uh, summer. Intimacy is another integral aspect of the understanding of the word koinonia. And that means communion, uh, fellowship, or friendship. This is the relationship aspect of it. It's getting to know others in a deeper way. And um, uh, church is meant to foster relationships. It, it gives you the context to uh, establish deep relationships and lifelong relationships. And I believe it's one of the things God intends to do it. And actually next year we have a whole series that's going to be talking about the intimacy aspect of koinonia and our relationship with God. Oops, I, I mean, there we go. Uh, and then the third aspect, a third understanding of this word is contribution. And so it's a gift jointly contributed, a collection. <laughs> 
as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. And so, what they're actually talking about here is money. (laughs) Quite frankly, that that is an integral aspect of the word koinonia. Uh, it's, It's like we all get together... Uh, to uh, give someone a gift. That would be an example. A gift jointly contributed. Alright, in other words, we all contribute. Or a collection. Um, and we're going to get into the definition of this a little bit more. But it, I like how the, this uh, definition says that it, it's the exhibiting, exhibiting an embodiment uh, and proof of fellowship. And so the collection itself, the financial investment that you make in the fellowship is proof that you're really part of it. Uh, and so all three aspects are important. Uh, biblical fellowship is a combination of all three aspects. If you lack any of them, in other words, if you're participating but you don't have intimacy, uh, then you're not getting the fullness of, of biblical Fellowship, you're not experiencing koinonia. Or if you have intimacy and, and, and participation, but you're not giving, you're not going to get the full benefit of what God intends. If you just show up, drop some money in the, in the plate, and, and leave uh, thinking you've done your part, you're not getting the fullness. And some people think they can pick and choose. But what they're really doing is they're limiting the benefits of what God wants to give in their lives by only participating or only uh, experiencing uh, a portion of what God calls uh, us to live as a church. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's all all of it combined is what... So this series is focusing on the contribution aspect of it, but all three are equally important. Now, I believe that giving, financial giving, should be practiced where you experience koinonia. Hi, Kathy. I'm glad you showed up. (laughs) Uh, 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 because it is it it is koinonia uh, then it should be done where you experience the other aspects of koinonia like intimacy and uh, participation and so this is where it's fine to give to uh, charities and send money to ministries that you think are doing great works in the world. That's fine. But that's not koinonia. Because you're not intimate. And you're not participating. You're not there. Uh, you're not part of it. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Alright, so that's kind of like a hold of... There's lots of different offerings. Those, those would qualify as different types of offerings. And that's what I'm talking about. Someone once told me that a co-worker heard that he gave money to the church. I don't know, he mentioned something about, oh, oh I forgot to get my, my tithe or something like that. And the co-worker said, man, you'd have to be a blanking idiot to give money to church. Right? And that made sense. For that person to say that was absolutely logical. If someone doesn't believe in God, they would not give to God. Let's say if someone doesn't believe in church, they wouldn't give the church. Right? <clears throat> so if there's no faith, you're not going to give. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? But, it? but that also means the reverse is true. If you're not financially giving, then that's a demonstration that you really don't have faith. 
<coughs> right? Yeah. So they, they go uh, hand in hand. Um, Alright, so we're going to look at a scripture where this word koinonia is used in the context of financial giving. In 2 Corinthians 8, uh, uh, 1 through 6, it goes, reads like this. It says, Moreover, brethren, uh, we make known to you that the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the, um, in, in, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us uh, by the will of God. Uh, so we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also uh, complete this grace in you as well. So Paul is talking about to the Corinthians, um, writing a letter to the church in Corinth about a collection that he is doing in all of the churches that he established to take money to the church in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was experiencing a famine at the time and so the Christians were really suffering and so they were taking a collection all the Gentile churches were taking a collection to take back to the mother church if you will in, in Jerusalem and he was boasting to the Corinthians about the Macedonian church and how, how generous they were and how they gave beyond their ability <clears throat> so this Lesson or this scripture, the principles from this, applies to special offerings. This would be a special offering that Paul was taking. But the principles of giving apply to all New Testament uh, uh, giving. All right? The principles that are taught here apply to, to tithing or, or giving uh, uh, to the local church or giving to missions or giving to alms. What, they're doing, what they were doing specifically was giving to alms because they were giving to people who were poor. <clears throat> Verse 4, it says that they were begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the uh, support of the saints. And so you, it's communicated here the, uh, the, the amount of um, um, uh, intensity that they were committed to being involved. And the word participation is the word koinonia. All right, the same word that was used uh, by uh, Luke when he wrote Acts, defining the church that they practice koinonia, and so that's 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 the whole verse is talking about koinonia in practice. I, I, in our, uh, IVP uh, commentary, <clears throat> University Press commentary. There's a very respected commentary on this. Uh, it says, The term koinonia, translated participation, uh, in one translation, sharing or fellowship, was used technically in business documents of Paul's day for partnership. Yeah, <clears throat> it was actually a technical term. So everybody knew that word. You know, koinonia is like a mysterious word to us. It's Greek, right, to us? <laughs> it's all Greek to me. 
But they all spoke Greek. You know, uh, business was done in Greek. It could, be, it could also signify an institution of Roman trade known as a societus, uh, by which members contracted to supply whatever um, they had to fulfill the corporate goal. So whatever they had that was needed, and so if you contracted, had a group together uh, to, to, to accomplish some goal, all the members of that group would say, everything that I have, I'm investing into this joint venture. All right? And that's what the word actually meant. Now, whether Paul was speaking of that, uh, you know, officially or unofficially, we don't know. But everyone that read that word knew that that's what that word meant. It was very clearly understood. And so every time we read it in the New Testament, it has that idea of having all of what you have um, available put in and, 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 and made available to the goals of the group. Uh, and you're part of the New Testament church. And our goal is to extend the kingdom of heaven uh, on the you know, whole earth. And as a local church, is to build this congregation and to establish a witness for Christ and develop the saints that are connected here. And so, you know, I could talk and talk and talk about the purpose of, of, um, of us as a church, but we need to understand that uh, this is how it's financed. This is how God uh, intends the church to uh, to enable to pay its bills. So, <clears throat> it's clear that the Macedonians saw the support, like hospitality, as a privilege. Mm-hmm. Alright? Uh, and so they were willing to give whatever they had, uh, and they saw themselves participating not only in the local church that they were part of, but in the church as a whole, because this offering was going to the church in Jerusalem. And it's really a picture. I think this is a great illustration, we have a glimpse of how the New Testament church functioned in this story. You know, most of the Bible is story. There's only a few parts of the Bible that's like teaching. And that's because we learn through story. And we we learn best through story. And this is a story of what happened in the first century. But it's to teach us how God intends us to live and how we are to see our lives and our are, you know, who, who are we going to be like? Are we going to be like the Macedonians? Are we going to be like the Corinthians? Are we going to be like you know, other uh, churches that didn't participate whatsoever? And in this verse, there's actually three forms of giving. It says that they first gave themselves to the Lord. And if you quickly read over that, you just think, oh, they made a commitment to the Lord as, as a Savior. And that, that might be what it means, but actually that would be reading it out of context. Right? That would be ignore, it would be divorcing it from its context. You, uh, because the context of giving and the context of the whole two chapters is actually financial con- contributions. And so I think it says, I think Paul was saying, first they gave themselves to the Lord, probably referring to their tithe, right? which was commonly practiced amongst all believers in, uh, in the era and certainly in, in, in uh, Israel and, and all the Jews and most of the, uh, the, the churches that Paul established were made up of a, a large percentage of Jews 
and, and in, in some areas there were more Gentiles eventually. So the idea of tithing was, no, was not disputed. It was a cultural norm. All right? So giving, them, giving themselves or giving of themselves to the Lord, this is, I can't prove this, but that's likely what it means. Second, and then to us. So maybe it means that they, they personally were, they liked Paul. But again, that's not really the context of, of what Paul's talking about. And it's probably referring, he's talking about their exceptional generosity of the financial gift that they first gave to the Lord. And then they, they took up an offering for us, which was normal, uh, uh, when Paul would visit or teachers would visit. And then the third was that not only what uh, that, but they also gave as they had hoped, which was the offering that Paul was trying to raise for the church in Jerusalem. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so we just see that uh, the Macedonian church was, was presented as the example of a generous church, and they were in deep poverty. It was not a church that was giving out of their abundance, but out of their poverty. Um, what's interesting that twice in this passage, <clears throat> the word grace is used. We make known to you, right at the beginning, I'm making known to you the grace of God. <clears throat> and the second uh, use of the word grace is uh, when they, when they, they, they urge, they, they beg to be able to uh, participate in the offering. And that is the favor of participation. And that's literally in the Greek, the charis koinonia. Alright? Charis is grace. Koinonia is this fellowship. So, they, it was, it was grace giving. Alright? Grace giving. Last week we talked about how thanksgiving was an expression of grace, didn't we? And we, we talked about the power of grace to transform our lives. Actually, it's the power of salvation, isn't it? We're saved by grace, right? And so, thanksgiving is really an expression of, of grace. And so, uh, you can enter into the power of grace by living a life of thanksgiving. Well, now we see that the, uh, uh, giving financially is directly connected uh, to grace. It's actually grace in action. Alright? Especially when it's done in the context of koinonia, with participation, with intimate relationship, communion, being part of a, 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 of a, of the body of believers. <clears throat> grace, God's grace reproduced in the believers as they demonstrated koinonia by participation, intimacy, and contribution. They were doing all of it. And uh, this is an example we can follow. Bless you. We've sneezed several times. <laughs> Paul goes on in this verse, he says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this what? Grace. He's talking about giving money. And he uses the word... Ah, deal with that. Okay? Come on. Uh, also, abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And the others being the Macedonians. The example that the Macedonians uh, gave. <clears throat> and so he's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, it's not a commandment though. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. And so, 
uh, our motivation should be gratitude. It should come out of a, a thankfulness that we're so thankful for all that God's given that we see it as a a, a charis koinonia, an opportunity for grace expressed. Okay? Um, and he equates giving with these other uh, Christian characteristics like faith uh, and speech and knowledge and diligence as you ex- uh, abound in all these things like faith, speech, knowledge, diligence and love abound also in this grace. Wow! So it actually has a really high... It's a, it's a really power... And, and he... And he he has the audacity to say it's a test of their sincerity, of their love. All right? Because in, in reality, your financial participation... I mean, where your treasure is, your heart is. Yeah, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. All right? And so, um, people get funny about money. When you bring up money, and this is why I don't like preaching about money, and I didn't for many, many years. Uh, and uh, God's kind of challenged me on it. I preached about it last year, preached about it this year. I probably won't uh, do a whole series on it next year because we got all next year all planned out already. But it's something that we need, and it's a big part of our lives, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and so God's concerned with that part of our lives. All right. <clears throat> Abound in this grace also. So it's a third use of the word grace in the context of a passage on finances and giving in church offerings. Um, so if you think grace doesn't have, uh, isn't con- doesn't concern money, then you literally have to tear these pages out of your Bible. Because all the way through it, it's linked directly. Rather, understand that this is a sanctification. Sanctification means a making holy. Okay? It makes it holy. Uh, it's taking something that is commonly used for worldly, materialistic purposes and empowering us to use money to demonstrate God's grace. Wow! That's powerful. That's a very powerful thing. And I believe um, that the, the, the real answer to freedom from materialism bondage to a poverty spirit and that is never having enough never being able to pay the bills all that uh, and and being obsessed with uh, the spirit of the age which is consumerism is getting hold of this understanding and then practicing uh, grace koinonia which is giving as an expression of the unmerited gift that you've been given in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? There's, just a, there's a spiritual dynamic there that sets people free. And uh, you, you can talk to them about it, but it's not until you begin to practice it that you experience it. And I'm not saying it's easy. It, um, it, it's, it's, it can be difficult. And sometimes there's a struggle and a battle like most things in life. But it's, a, it's something that's worth it. So let's, let's jump through the rest of this verse. It for... You know the grace of our Lord. Now he calls on the grace, again, uh, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 
And in this I give advice, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must all, you must, uh, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Just to, get, just to understand the story a little bit, is that he had talked about this when he went through Corinth a year ago and said, folks, we're going to be taking a collection up to take back to the church in, in Jerusalem. Collection in addition to the giving that you give to your local congregation and to the poor here, we're taking a special offering. All the churches in Europe uh, and all the churches in this part of Asia, we're going to send back. And so I'm going to come back. And so that's why he's talking about something that you committed to a year ago. He's now coming back <clears throat> to do it. But there's a principle in here that's very important that if uh, there is first a willing mind, in other words, that you've been convinced that this is, this is God's will for your life, that this, this is what the Scripture is teaching, um, then it's accepted according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. And that's really important. Um, uh, not only is it uh, an expression of grace as demonstrated in the life of Jesus Christ and Jesus being the motivation uh, the grace ex- ex- exhibited and uh, given as an example uh, by Jesus and His giving. That's our motivation, um, uh, even to the point of our finances. Uh, he's also uh, a great example of uh, um, uh, giving, uh, uh, ultimate example of giving and the exponential return of giving out of grace, right? I mean, Jesus gave his life once, and there's now two billion Christians alive today on planet Earth. Let's just think how many Christians there are throughout all the centuries, and so there's a return there. But the willingness of mind and heart and giving of what you have is all that's required. If you don't have anything, there's no shame. Alright? There's no guilt. And people, uh, some people don't have anything to give. Alright? And and that's we understand. It's a clear scripture here that says, okay, if you don't have it, you can't give it. Don't feel like you have to give something that you actually don't have. And um, I I bring this up for people who come to me and say, well, I I haven't tithed for you know my whole Christian life. I never really understood it, never believed it, or you know I just didn't think I could. And and so do I owe all that money? I'm like. Well, do you have that money? Is it in a bank account? No, it's not in a bank account. I said, well, if you don't have it, you can't give it. It's forgiven. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know? Uh, uh, and the, whole, the whole issue we're going to talk about tithing is proportional. And so it really is, depends on how much you make. Uh, and so, you know, if you're making nothing or next to nothing, you, you give nothing or next to nothing. Does that make sense? All right. Um, but there's a freedom. I find that there's an incredible freedom there. Paul then goes on and says, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, um, uh, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also uh, supply your lack, that there may be equality. So he's saying it 
how this really works out is that is that there's an equality. He's not putting a burden on them to let somebody off else off the hook. But this is just how koinonia works out. When a life in community, there's times when you have what others need, and there's going to be times when others have what you need. And koinonia is being willing to share and give back and forth, right? And that that is true in the case of money as well as in the case of other things, spiritual things, encouragement, um, just a, a, a ear to hear, willingness to, to have someone over, whatever. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. Well, this is really powerful because here Paul is quoting um, the Old Testament passage concerning the gathering of manna in the wilderness. All right? And so there's a direct correlation or comparison in the New Testament with uh, giving in the church offering to that of gathering the manna, which sustained the life of the community of God through the wilderness. And, and, And what now sustains the life of the community of God in the wilderness of the world? It's the giving. You know, it's it's this comparison. I mean, you could extrapolate this this comparison, uh, and there's not, you know, these comparisons are not uh, by accident. Uh, God intended us to understand financial giving in the local church as, oh, this is just like when the Israelites all depended supernaturally on God's provision by going out and gathering. And like someone could go out there and, and gather a whole bunch and someone else could maybe, so they, they were weak or older and they could only gather a little bit. And when they got back to the camp, they, they poured their stuff out and they all had the same amount. And this happened for the 40 years that they wandered through the wilderness. You know, and... and I don't know if some people said, well, I'm just going to go out there and throw a few handfuls in and that'll be it. <laughs> you know, somehow it worked out. And so that they always had enough as long as, everyone, as long as everyone was willing to do their share. They always had enough. And that's the principle of giving in the New Testament. That if everyone does their share, we'll always have enough. All the needs are going to be met. Good, good, good. This is good, I know, but I have two minutes. Because there's there's no testimony. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead. There's a few more principles about giving. Uh, And so we we jumped a little bit up to chapter 9, verse 5. It says, Therefore I thought necessary to exhort the brethren to go uh, to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. Listen, if you're giving out of grub, grubbing obligation, <laughs> grudging obligation, you're not going to benefit, we're not going to benefit, keep your money. Alright? If it's grudgingly obligation, it, you're missing the point. It's not koinonia. Alright? But if it's a matter of generosity, 
Gratitude is how it all ties together. So it's a heart issue. It has to come out of gratitude or else you're not going to benefit. We're not going to benefit. But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know, so this applies in every aspect of koinonia. It applies in the participation aspect. It applies in the intimacy aspect and the, and the, the friendship aspect. And it applies in the financial aspect. Um, <clears throat> giving is to be proportional. Uh, we give a proportion of what we've received. Right? But we're to expect an exponential return. Okay? One seed equal, uh, you know, produces how many kernels? I, I did look up it. A six, pound, six pounds of wheat produces 50 pounds of grain. You know? Or one apple... <clears throat> Alright, is a snack. I, I thought of a great illustration. What's the difference between this? Can you all see that? Mm-hmm. Isn't that just like, isn't that good? Yeah. Like you just, you, that's from the farmhouse bakery down in Vandalia. You know that that's good. We're going to have those in, in uh, available in, uh, in the intersection because we, we had some left over from last night. See, in, in Vandalia, you get a whole donut. Uh, up here, you just get a donut hole. <laughs> so, what's the difference between this and this? It's going to reproduce, right? There's power in this to produce, really, an unlimited number of apples. You can still eat it. Okay? And you can still eat it and plant the seeds. You eat this. It just produces this. Right? <laughs> An apple a day keeps the doctor away, and a donut a day. <laughs> what, what can you say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let each one give as, gives as he purposes in your, in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what's the purpose in your heart? So you can interpret it. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So you can say, oh, that means uh, I should give whatever God puts on my heart. And in one sense, because this was referring to a special offering for the poor in Jerusalem, you know, it is. It's like whatever God tells you to give. It's, it's up to you. Um, but I think there's a deeper meaning in it. So what's the purpose and how you apply this principle to all giving in, in church context is, well, what's your purpose? What's the purpose? Is it to give the minimum? Right? You know, a minimum wage Christian? <laughs> a minimum tithe Christian? Is it to not go to hell? Is it to avoid a penalty? That shouldn't be the purpose. Alright? What return do you want? Is your, the motivation of your giving based on a purpose, the return that you want to see happen? What's your heart motivation? How big can you dream? Alright? How big can you dream? How much difference can, can you, by participating with others, make a difference in Kalamazoo and the world? And in, in this expression of grace, which is financial giving, um, and of course there's so much more uh, of being part of a church, and it's, it's to give. The real underlying purpose of giving is God loves a cheerful giver. And it's something that's done out of cheerfulness. It's done out of gratitude. It's done out of realizing that because we've received so much, we're willing to give as an expression of that grace. Amen.
Hello, I do have some announcements for you today and then we will wrap up first 